welcome to the Public Safety Drone Podcast. Now, here's the show. Uh, welcome to episode six of the Public Safety Drone Podcast. We're here once again at the Blue Ash Police Department in lovely Blue Ash, Ohio, which is a suburb of Cincinnati, of um, northeast of Cincinnati, right? And, uh, oh, I should probably turn on your mic so it helped too. So, technical difficulties. Welcome back. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having us. That's Lieutenant Steve Schuler of the Blue Ash Police Department, along with Chief Amos Johnson from the Woodlawn Fire Department. Hello. Katie Thielmeyer, she's a firefighter extraordinaire and drone aficionado from also from Woodlawn Fire Department. Hi, Katie. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. She's just got the biggest smile. I can't wait till the videos come out. You'll see the big smile on Katie's face. Yes, <laughs> I can't wait either. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And David Glenn, who is um, just a man about technology, right? <laughs> don't, your introduction don't even changes, know what to say, right? <laughs> your introduction changes every time, right? But better known as Kluge on YouTube. Uh, check out his page. He's got lots of great drone videos, lots of subscribers. So... Uh, the crowd can't be wrong, right? Uh, sure, they can. <laughs> oh, there we, I, I sell myself so well, don't I? Oh, his his stuff is great. He's he's a, a local drone celebrity. Um, can't go. You can't go in any hobby shop. He, he just, has to have a security detail. Yeah, is that yeah, right? yeah. They, they don't have a clue who I'm. They don't. They don't have a clue who you are. Yeah. Uh, but a I'm hobby bummed. shop celebrity. I like uh, it. Yeah, I'm looking for my. Oh yeah, right. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, there's the production quality is not going to be as great today, but you know, hey, what, you know, on this on this episode, but that's okay, right? It's, that's okay. That's okay. Good deal. So we um, wanted we, we've had some really great discussions here in the room, and, and we all seem to like each other. I think, right? Is right? I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Awkward. Awkward silence. Yeah. Okay. Um, Drone Responders is a 501c3 a nonprofit uh, which is doing all kinds of public safety programs, not just drones. Is that right, Katie? Is it? It, it is. It's primarily for drones and public safety. Oh, it is. So I say that I say that wrong. Um, but uh, well, yes, because they're called drone responders. What am I thinking? <laughs> I'm really just like. <laughs> Um, really on the ball. Drone responders, they just do things besides drones, right? No, no, they're actually called drone responders. So <laughs> no, so you're, you're kind of wrong about that. Uh, so uh, they just came out with something. Tell us a little bit about that, Katie, and I'm going to go over here and cry a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Try to get my act together here. I just need just to get it all out. All right. So drone responders uh, just released a, a, a report mm -hmm. uh, doing some research, trying to figure out what What's missing in public safety? What I'm you know, talking to that lacking. microphone a little bit there. Right. I know you hate it. You're good. You're really good at it. <laughs> All right. So uh, one thing that that they said they found um, the lack of program resources and uh, finding continuing to hamper the growth of many public safety drone operations. Uh, but they're finding there's some low cost solutions that can be quickly adopted to improve safety. Mm -hmm. um, so they're talking about implementing the NIST standards, which is the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Uh huh. And, and you've, you've heard of them, right? I I do a little bit of uh, work alongside their robotics folks. team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you want to talk a little bit about what you do with NIST? I know we talked about, asked you about what drone. What's that? What is, what is NIST? So, well, so Amos said, ask her what NIST is, right? <laughs> what is NIST? So, so as I said, NIST is the National Institute of Standards and Technology. It's a government organization. It is. Right? It's under the Department of Commerce. Okay. And they have a uh, robotics team that does uh, works on standards for 
uh, robots, aerial, aquatic, oh, and really? ground robots. Oh, even aquatic ones. Oh, cool. Yes. Oh. Have you got to play with those? I have not. Oh, you The ground them? robots were really fun. Oh, yeah, I bet. But that I haven't would seen be a the lot aquatic of fun. ones. Yeah. I'm a geek, though, so I like stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling I will really enjoy it <laughs> yeah. if I get the chance. Yes. So for the aerial uh, systems, I've been doing some work with them on developing their standards for uh, pilot proficiency and also payload capabilities. Uh-huh. So you can have some some standard to measure yourself against and, and also your team. Uh, so the idea is that Drone Responders wants to implement something across the board uh, for all public safety, so we all reach the same standard, some sort of proficiency, uh, equivalency, something we can par- compare ourselves to our own records and also each other's, see if we all meet that same standard. Okay. So what How? What have you done to, to help with that? What, what, kind of, what does that mean? I mean, that sounds like a lot of work. Um, what, what is it? What is that work? Uh, it's, it's basically flying these, uh, I guess these, these lanes mm-hmm. that they're made of, you know, wood and buckets. It's as simple as that. And it, it helps you to define your point in space and whether you align to a, a bucket as you're flying across or over, uh, it's, it, it meets all the standards that are in NFPA 2400, which is flying straight and level, uh, and, and those kinds of things, being able to, to have sustained speed, uh, and test your your ability to get from one point to another accurately mm-hmm. and safely. Why is that important? Uh, because safety. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Because uh, we we want people to be able to fly, follow the rules, but also to get to that you know to the point where we need them to be quickly to gain the situational awareness, mm-hmm. uh, safety for everyone. Make sure they're not running into things. Mm-hmm. Make sure they're not running into people. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I can, I can imagine it would be important. I, you know, most of the technology that, that, you know, everyday consumers use, and I think a lot of you got your departments use have a lot of technology built into them. They have GPS and they have compasses and they have visual sensing systems and so on. And they're really, really easy to use. But when things go wrong, you still have to be able to pilot it and be safe and bring it back. And so I would imagine having to be able to uh, meet those standards of proficiency that you're talking about would give you the confidence and give your your organization confidence that, that the people that are flying, you know, depending on what drones you have, maybe you're flying a $10,000 Matrice or you're flying a, a $600 Peridonofi or something like that. You know, you, you're going to know that it's going to be safe. They're going to be able to return it back. And if, if everything doesn't, you know, go correctly, right? Yes, absolutely. That's, that's the whole point. Yeah, Amos, would you want to add to that? Yeah, and absolutely, too. This is the, the other piece for uh, public safety, too. Even with the uh, insurance agencies or they're doing uh, surveying or whatever the case may be, when we're flying these drones, there's the clock has started to tick. We're even mm-hmm. either searching for a person, we're searching for a victim, we're searching mm-hmm. for the person who shot who, whatever the case may be, the, the clock has started to tick. Yeah. So these standards on what we train on all the time, police and fire, of – can we do the job under pressure? Mm-hmm. So, so I think these standards will actually be able to measure that. Mm-hmm. Right now, we have nothing to measure that unless you kind of put your own thing in place like Blue Ash Police has done, but this will be across the board. So with the standards, and maybe Katie can talk more about this too as well, on the different scenarios that NIST has put into their um, lanes or what have you. 
with because uh, we're looking for cars, we're looking for people. When we're looking for a hazmat incident, can you notify this? Can you see this? Can you relay back to command what you're seeing? So I think that is for me anyway as a fire chief. That's what I need to know. Can you operate under stress flying this drone? And maybe yeah, that's that's super important. I mean, there's been tests done that that when you're under pressure, when the adrenaline's going, you lose a certain level of dexterity and stuff like that. And so, if you don't have that that like built in, um, just you know, you've you've got a lot of practice, you've got a lot of uh, experience, and so on. When you're under pressure, you're just going to lose it. And uh, so that that I can see how that would be extremely important in your guys' scenario. And I think the key there, David, you hit on that, is to make take the stress out of it. That's I've right. done this enough times. I know I'm proficient. I've got to do it quickly, but I'm not going to be stressed by uh, by whatever the situation is. So, yeah. and Katie, correct me if I'm wrong, but these have to be flown without the aid of GPS, right? Is that correct? No. No. Okay. You can you can use all the, you know whatever you're going to have typically in the field. Gotcha. Is what what you can test on. Now it. You know, it's it's good to test on, you know, lost link procedures, emergency landings, simulate those things so that you know how to do it mm-hmm. and your basic proficiency skills that you learn are going to help with that. But right. the rules for the NIST course, as it's called, uh, there are, there's no time limit that NIST sets. There are no particular rules or regulations that NIST puts out. They simply give you the test at which to measure what you're looking for. So at your organization, can you or, give us an example of something that that they measure? Well, it, it measures that proficiency, that pilot proficiency, or or your payload capability. I guess I was gathering it like obstacle courses and that sort of stuff, right? Yes. And, and so as you and you mentioned a little bit of it, but kind of could you elaborate on that a little bit, or did I just steal your thunder there? Sorry. No, no, you're okay. fine. <laughs> so so their their most basic course it's a positioning. Uh, it's it's called uh, man one maneuvering. You basically. Uh, you're going to a certain point in space, depending on how far your lane is set apart. You go to a certain height, you identify a, a letter in a bucket, and it you see the ring, you know that you're aligned because you have the full spectrum of that ring. Oh, cool. Okay. So it, it tells you you're in the right place. Okay. Um, so as you, as you look straight down, you see you're over top of the correct bucket, and then you look 45 degrees into the bucket out in front of you at that same distance, and that tells you you are exactly at the point in space you're supposed to be. Uh-huh. That is not uh, a real life scenario. And then what do you do? Do you, do you radio it to somebody or do you write it on a sheet of paper or what, how do they know you got the letter or you just... You have a proctor right with oh, you. Oh, okay. Who's, who's, tell, I, who's giving you the instructions. Okay, I go see. here. Okay. Show me this. Uh, and then as you identify that, you either take a screenshot or they can see it on your screen and then they tell you uh, the next thing to do. Okay, okay. Um, so... As you're achieving these points in space, mm-hmm. you know that you're having the accuracy as that pilot. Um, and then it also helps you test your your payload, your camera tilt, zoom, how far in can you see on what you're looking at, and those kinds of things. And how quickly or accurately do you get from one point to another. Okay. So all those things come into play. And But as the organization, you get to decide, do I want my pilots to do this very quickly and they can kind of make a few mistakes and maybe not be completely aligned, but mostly aligned. Uh-huh. Or do you want them to always have 100% accuracy, but take the time to do it? Because accuracy is much more important. Mm-hmm. And that's where this, uh, these standards can come into play outside of public safety as well. They can, you know, inspections, agriculture, you know, they might not be under a time crunch. So accuracy to that alignment might be imperative. Uh-huh. Where for us, 
you know, we want, we want you to be safe, but you know, a foot or two is not going to make a difference when you're doing a search for a person. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we don't need you to be that accurate, but it's always good to have those capabilities and know where you. Is that the main application they're going for? Cause you don't need that kind of accuracy if you're at a fire scene, do you, or do you? It depends. I, I think the accuracy factor is extremely important personally. Well, I think so as well. But Oh, so fortunately we only have four microphones and five posts. But it's a, what, did you, what did you say? Oh, okay. That's right. So chief was asking me to talk about a, an arson investigation that we were helping with. Okay. Um, so basically we're, you know, the, the roof is burned off of a house. Okay. We're flying uh, over top to, I guess, generally just uh, obtain evidence for them. Um, just a, a picture of what it looked like. And that's where the accuracy would come into place. Uh, they really want to pinpoint where, you know, the sea of the fire, all everything we can see. So, you know, we're doing a, a bit of a grid pattern, but when we find where we need to be, you know, zero in on it, give them all the details, all mm-hmm. that. So, yeah. And, the, and I, you kind of gave two scenarios there and the, and you were talking about time versus accuracy in, in like an investigation after the fact time really isn't necessarily an issue there. It's more accuracy, but maybe exactly. when you're on the fi- on the scene of a, a, of an active event, maybe time is more important that you need to get, you know, you need to get somewhere and it's not quite as important that you see an exact location, but you get an overall assessment of the area, something like that. So I, I can see that. Most of our work isn't scheduled, but the type of work you're talking about there, like a, a post fire investigation would be a scheduled, obviously a scheduled yes. event. So uh, let me ask you this, the NFPA standards, that 2400 chief, is that the new one? Yes. That, okay. Does that incorporate a time element into it using the NIST standards? It does not. Okay. It leaves that open to each department. It is. Yeah. That goes back way. to what we we're saying. It, right. It's really okay. about what you, you can use these tests that have been proven, so to speak, and mm-hmm. adopted, um, you know, NFPA 2400, ASTM International, these are in place, but how you use those tests is up to you. So, it's, okay. you know, those standards are, are out there, but what those time limits are and, and even the tests themselves, you don't, you don't have to use their exact tests. You uh-huh. can, you can take, you know, the idea of their test and make it into something that is, it, you know, more accurate for what you're doing. So, okay. So if I'm a fire chief or, or a police chief listening to this, are these something you have to buy from NIST or are they out there yet? Or are there... Where do you where do you get these? Are they free? Are they yes? Every everything is free. Um, ev- all the information do is they available. Call you? No, um, <laughs> I, you can. Oh, cool. um, okay, you can definitely call me. Don't give out your phone number, but yes, okay. <laughs> um, so everything's available uh, through their website, which I will look up and read off later. Okay, um, but there's a, a Google Drive that anybody can access uh, once you request permission. Oh, really? Um, you can. Uh, print all the files, all the stickers that go in the buckets, and oh, um, wow. there's fabrication guides, and it is all free of cost. It's a government service, essentially. It is. Yeah, yes. and it, and it's only for public safety or anybody. Are they doing it specifically for public safety? Or are they saying if you're just like the uh, Cincinnati Drone Pilots Association? This is Dave for and I are this is for everybody. And vice president, I think I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, this this is for everybody, and actually, it's encouraged to be. To, you know, there's a focus on public safety right now because there's that urgency in yeah, getting yeah. that uh, proficiency across the board and some sort of standard, minimum yeah. standard for us. But it's definitely uh, encouraged to be adopted by, by anybody. 
Yeah, I could see if I sorry to interrupt, but oh, I could see if I was running, you know, just a, a company that's that's uh, uh, doing inspections or something like that. Some of the the tests that you were talking about. Welcome you know, to the. Po- oh, did, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so, so if I'm running a drone company and I'm hiring in somebody new and I want to make sure that they're proficient and they're not, you know, going to crash my my equipment that I'm letting them run, you know, having some of those materials and outlines of tests to, to, to do and materials that I can print out, I can see how that would be very useful. Yes. Well, I get the, oh, oh, can I just do a quick break? Oh, absolutely. Do the break because we're uh, at that time, and, and I got this really cool fancy board that's made for podcasting, and I don't quite know how to use it all the way. <laughs> I spent a little time reteaching myself some of this stuff. Anyway, you're listening to the Public Safety Drone Podcast. We'll be back right after this. Getting hands-on drone training should not be hard. With Mobilecom, it's easy. Partnered with Skyop, a national leader in drone training, Mobilecom offers in-person drone instructor-led classroom instructions at our facility or yours. Courses include hands-on training, so your staff is trained not only in the knowledge behind the drones, but flying one, making your drone program exceptional and, most importantly, safer. Mobilecom chooses Skyop because teaching pilots how to fly safely and following regulations is all they do. Skyop develops top-notch drone training, nothing else. Their curriculum and Mobilecom's Skyop certified instructors give your drone pilots the background knowledge and hands-on training not provided anywhere else by people who only do drone training. Whether you need to pass your Part 107, get recurrent on your existing Part 107, starting a drone program from scratch, or need to know how to utilize drone software like PIX4D, Mobilecom has you covered. For more information, call 877-447-8433 or visit mobilecom.com forward slash UAS. Again, Mobilecom, M-O-B-I-L, E-O-M-M dot com forward slash U-A-S. That's 877-447-8433. Mobilecom, for the best, most comprehensive drone training anywhere. Mobilecom. If you're interested in being a guest or know someone who could be, please contact the Public Safety Drone Podcast producer at UAS at mobilecom.com. That's UAS at M-O-B-I-L-C-O-M-M dot com or call 877-447-8433. Right, we're back on the Public Safety Drone Podcast today's Technology is a little off, and that's because the host, the host with the equipment. I'm the, that's what I call my. I'm just the host with the equipment. I don't know anything. So, um, the the host with equipment who has a part one hundred seven that was given to him for Christmas, I guess. Um, yeah, thank you, <laughs> Joe. It's a rainy day in Cincinnati. We'll blame the technology yeah, fails exactly. on the rain today. I think. So. Thank you. Uh, we'll go thank with you. That. At least we're recording, and David can tell stories <laughs> about that. So anyway, that's a whole other time. We are definitely recording, and I got that part figured out. But. Um, we will save that story for another time, right? Yeah. It's, it's a sad story. It's a good story for a rainy Monday. Right? Yes, Actually. indeed. Anyway, so where were we, Katie? Go ahead. You wanted, you were about to say something. Oh, I had a follow-up oh, question for sorry. Katie, if that's okay. Yeah, so that's a, totally okay. Currently, the FAA for Part 107, and we hear it's coming for rec pilots as well, has uh, knowledge testing for that. You know, you have to take, take a 60-question online test in order to be certified as a, a drone pilot. Do you see this NIST standard now that's been adopted by the federal government and the NFPA and other agencies or other organizations, do you see that going anywhere with the FAA as far as practical testing for pilots? It's kind of like a driver's test for a driver's license, for example. 
Right. That's definitely something that's missing that I think we've all identified. Yeah, I agree. Um, for something to happen in the FAA, I mean, maybe uh, anything to happen in any government is, it, you, you never know. And right. it's going to take a long time. Yes. But I do know that it's being considered. And I'm sorry? The meeting yeah, so so I do know that they're looking at this. They're looking into public safety. What's what are these standards? What are you know? It's going in that direction. I think it's going to happen uh, more quickly on a credentialing level from state to state. Uh, eventually, leading to the FAA uh, seeing seeing everyone coming together, especially drone responders. And I think that's going to be very impactful. Gotcha. Makes sense. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, that's a wrap. No, <laughs> no, we got ten more minutes. Come on. Um, so, um, when do you, it, when do you think that might be going into play? Do you? I mean, uh, on on behalf of of the FAA, I have no idea. Um, yeah, I think that that if if they were to do that, that's like a long term thing. I haven't heard about them moving in that direction at all. Not that I know everything, but I haven't heard anything about that. Yeah. It, I mean, a, the, the, they're still working on on putting together a simple knowledge test for the wreck pilots, which it was uh, part of the uh, FAA Reauthorization Act that was passed a little over a year ago. Yeah, right. They still haven't even put that in place yet. So, like Katie was saying, with government, uh, you know, can take a bit of time. And I haven't heard any talk. I think there's a lot more uh, pressing things that they're looking for: the the remote ID, the flight over people, night waivers, a lot a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, that they're that they've got kind of in front of them before that it yeah. makes me wonder too uh on that topic if if they're kind of counting on um people like us to implement this outside of what they're doing because it's a lot easier for us to come up with something drone responders to come up with something across the yeah. board than it is to implement something through the faa well there are a lot of other industries in the united states that are self-regulating so maybe they're hoping to see that happen with uh with first responders you know public safety officials uh, rather than them you know dictating anything i would say on high so to speak they would definitely support that happening for sure yeah and i think the drone manufacturers would like that to happen i mean i've heard them uh, you don't want to quote them exactly and also it was a couple years ago but dji's law legal counsel i think he's still the same guy yeah brendan shulman yeah you're exactly yeah Yeah. and yeah i met him in, in las vegas and he says uh you know, you don't want the government coming in and doing this because they're going to make it a lot worse than you guys that's ever right. dreamed. So. That's right. And DJI is doing a lot to try and prevent. I mean, that's why DJI has implemented their geofencing rules. As you know, a lot of people yeah. hate hate, hate them, that, but that's why. Uh, and you know, we talked in one of our last podcasts about some of the problems that you had, uh, you and I had when we we're trying to fly at a stadium TFR because Katie, they're Katie was there too. Yeah, right? Katie was there. You were talking that's about right. as well. You weren't here, yeah. but yes. Yeah. Um, but but that's one of the reasons why DJI is implementing ADSB and they're implementing geofencing and a lot of the other things that they're doing mm-hmm. is to try and keep themselves out of the headlines, keep keep the 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 people who are buying their equipment safe and and out of the headlines and in a safe situation, so that the FAA doesn't feel like they have to come in and say, here you have to do this now. Yeah, and 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 I was talking earlier about the 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 application. Uh, Actually, I think this was in the earlier podcast uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> getting lost on time since we're yeah. recording multiple we, days. We, we, we admit that we record two of these at a time. Yeah, that's right. I so guess I just did. So, anyway, so, <laughs> secrets out now. Secrets out now, right? So there, uh, we talked about Aeroscope, and we talked about uh, uh, the the technology demo of remote ID that they showed, 
and and they're really trying to get out in front of the government regulations and demonstrate how things work and how how to do things safely. Mm-hmm. They have a large market share and they've got a lot to lose. That's you know, right. From, yeah. from so if some draconian regulations came down, for sure. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be. I think that would be rough. So, um, and and the regulations even from the public safety side too. I mean, you don't want more regulations for what you're doing. I mean, there's already enough. To, to, to go around like sure, this, right? right? So why have, yeah, not, more isn't going to make it better, right? Well, it's, it's not in anybody's best interest to make it harder for folks that provide a public service, a safety services, for to sure. uh, to yeah. do their jobs for sure. I yeah. think the I think the bigger point is is not more regulation, but just the, so that we know yeah. that that we are held to a certain standard and that we're going to perform to that standard in those situations. So if we can keep that to first responders and you know public safety that we we've reached this threshold you know that's what matters to us mm-hmm. we don't necessarily need the faa to be the one to tell us that uh, clearly there's enough movement right now where we're moving in that direction and it's going to provide for us exactly what we need without making our lives harder mm-hmm. yeah i think there's a good relationship between public safety and faa when it comes to drones currently you know they they allow us the public safety coa that uh, gives us some you know, additional privileges folks that have a Part 107 or recreational flyers don't have. So there yeah. obviously there's a level of trust there. It would be nice to keep that going. And I yes. think uh, so far, uh, knock on wood, I don't know of any uh, incidents that the FAA really needed to get involved in involving public safety. They seem to, those uh, private individuals that are flying and, you know, flying the wrong way, breaking rules and things like that, that seem to be where they're directing their attention now. So uh, hopefully it continues that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've mentioned, I think, in a previous episode that uh, first responders, public public safety of, officers, are held to a higher standard in terms of the public eye, uh, just because of you know who you are and what you do. And uh, so, having that, you know, having those standards and being able to prove that you meet standards and that it's not you just came up with something willy nilly uh, that you're meeting a public standard that was established by a, a, a top level organization like NIST, uh, you know, is is going to help help the public trust you and when you're have to go to court uh you know to back up you know something then you've you've got some uh something behind that right that you can prove and say hey we live up to this and we've got these these tests we do and all this stuff so i think i mentioned this previously but you know when a private individual screws up they or their insurance company pay for it when you know government officials screw up we all pay for it yeah right, in our right. taxes so yeah exactly so yeah Amos, you've been awfully quiet here. Yes. I'm so he's, he's back, right? Yeah. <laughs> I got a little bit of Katie in there. Yeah. Um, I think the question was, too, someone brought up earlier, how soon do you think these standards, would the FAA adopt these standards? Uh-huh. And, again, we don't know because it's a government agency, but the local government side of things, I think we're going to try to take the bull by the horns on that. Mm-hmm. By the end of 2020, I'm going to try to have with some local uh, – um, Cooperation. Cooperation. Yeah. Okay. We're going to try to get this at least a standard for public safety mm-hmm. in Ohio, at least in our region, some type of testing method out, going off the NFPA, getting that started, and then hopefully that will branch out to other states. Oh, really? Okay. So, so we like, are the trailblazers here in yes. southwestern Ohio. Yes. yes. Want to do it first. Right. Very I got good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Behind Colorado and Texas. Behind Colorado and Texas. All yeah, right. Forget that. First, they're, they're, first over here. Yes, yes. So so does Colorado and Texas, do they have a, is it, um, I can't even think of the word I'm thinking of, do they have an official testing method that they can test out on? It's through an official test bank, the whole nine? Uh, so in, in Texas, it's the Department of Public Safety that has adopted this, and all of 
their DPS uh, goes through uh, a training course that has adopted the NIST standards and it incorporates those uh, proficiency tests. Um, in Colorado, they have the uh, Center of Excellence, and that's specific to firefighting, where they have uh, they they have to reach the minimum standards that has been adopted by that state agency. So it it depends on the level, at, you know, the state level, whether it's public safety, which way you want to go. But definitely in Ohio, we we don't have anything here yet, and that's that's a perfect direction for us to be heading. And the NIST standards will support that in every way. Good deal. Well, with that. I think we can call it a wrap. What do you think? What do you think? The uh, let's see what the studio audience. What do you guys think? Oh, yeah, they're good. They like it. They like it. They've had enough. <laughs> They've had enough. They're really, really. Well, that's great. Uh, guys didn't know we had a studio audience. Did we? Well, thank you very much for listening to the Public Safety Drone Podcast again. Thanks to the Blue Ash Police Department for hosting us once again. This has uh, worked out really well. So hopefully we can do it again. So along with my co-hosts, uh, Lieutenant Steve Schuler of Blue Ash, uh, Chief Amos Johnson from Woodlawn, Katie Tealmeyer from Woodlawn as well. And David Glenn, uh, uh, the illustrious host, every time it's the illustrious host of Kluge on YouTube. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you on our next episode. Have a great day, folks. You've been listening to the Public Safety Drone Podcast. If you're interested in being a guest or know someone who could be, please contact the Public Safety Drone Podcast producer at UAS at mobilecom.com. That's UAS at M-O-B ilcomm com or call 877-447-8433. Also, feel free to leave us a comment or feedback using the same methods. Special thanks to our music contributors mentioned during the show. All music used with permission. Please rate us on and subscribe to our show on iTunes. Your rating and reviews do help others find the show. If iTunes isn't your thing, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, a tin can, and a string, just about anywhere else you can or can't find podcasts. We'll see you next time on the Public Safety Drone Podcast, sponsored by Mobilecom. Visit mobilecom.com forward slash UAS for more information on drone training happening in your area or for all your drone product needs. Or call 877 447 8433. Thank you for listening and fly safe.